by Minutes hosts examine the 1999 Frank Oz-directed and Steve Martin-written comedy Bowfinger. One minute of screen time per episode. And this week, as has been the case with this kind of a compilation project, is a brand new group of hosts. So I will introduce myself first. I'm a, my name is Alan Sanders. You can find me at The Wilder Ride, where we broke down two different movies in a very similar format. Me and my buddy Walt Murray, we did Young Frankenstein for our first season, and we did Blazing Saddles for season number two. And joining me, and I kind of feel like I've intruded into his week, but I love the fact that I get to be here with the one, the only movie rob rob how you doing buddy i'm doing great ellen and th thank you for letting me join you on my week <laughs> yeah actually no it's it's our week I'm, I'm perfectly okay with that we we share everything on this one both 50 50 not a problem i'm rob from movie rob i have a podcast that i'm right now currently in the middle of my fourth season i'm doing one harry met sally previously i did the great escape then i did Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Steve Martin. And after that, I did Die Hard. And now I'm doing When Harry Met Sally. By the time this comes out, I will be in the uh, end of When Harry Met Sally. I think actually the week this comes out, we're doing the uh, Cat's Deli scene, if I remember correctly. People can go over there to Movie Rob Minute and you know listen to what me and my guest of that week have to say about having orgasms in public. So who knows? And you might find something interesting. And for what it's worth, all four of your seasons, for some reason, you have managed to find a reason to bring me in to be part of each of those individual movies. It's because I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> or maybe you you're the glutton for punishment. I don't know. One of us is. <laughs> One of yeah. us is. I'll leave it as I, I'm here to remind you every now and then of what you're not supposed to do. And so that way you'll go get better guests for for the rest of the minutes but no come on alan you know you know that I, I i love having you as a guest on my show and you and i just have a blast whenever whenever we talk and whenever you know we record together and that's why you know when when this fell to it that uh you know we we wanted to to link up for this week i was i was perfectly fine with it i have absolutely no problem sharing sharing the limelight with with alan j sanders you know <laughs> Well, speaking of limelight, and we are talking about a movie about making movies, and there are a lot of movies that do that, or they have movies embedded within the movie. This one is really, for me, and I, I will, we'll, we'll talk high level, I think, because everyone probably starts off their first week, each of the new Movies by Minutes groups, 
kind of talking about your history with this movie or maybe some of your background with it. Um, I've seen this movie multiple times. I've always liked Steve Martin. I've always liked Eddie Murphy. But this one, to me, especially directed by Frank Oz with Steve Martin penning the script, you know there are so many inside digs and jokes. It's it's a love letter to those small independent studios that struggle day in and day out to create something on the big screen. So for me, being a film addict, probably not to the degree you are, but I, I love the fact that this movie is about a basically a struggling bankrupt <laughs> studio trying to figure out how to make a big blockbuster movie. For sure. For sure. Now, actually, I'll, I'll just go off a little bit on this, but what are your, some of your favorite movies about movies or about making movies? Do you have, do you have any that, that, that jump out at you? I mean, I'm not asking for a top five, top 10 or anything like that. Just, you know, off the top of your head, what do you think are like some of your favorite ones? For me, and and they do a lot on television shows, obviously, too. But I think uh, Ed Wood has been one of my all time favorites. I think the story of the director who just was so desperate to make something but didn't have a bit of talent. (laughs) And the Johnny Depp, uh, I think that was one of the greatest roles he's ever played in a serious kind of movie genre. I've always liked Johnny Depp, but Ed Wood just, when I watched it, I was just in awe the whole time. Okay, that's fair. I mean, I I tend to to, to like the the ones that are not based on real stories uh, because I think those are a little more entertaining. Uh, Most of them are comedies like this one. You know, uh, you obviously you have Get Shorty, which I'm I'm a big fan of. I, I didn't really like the 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 sequel as much. I didn't think no, it was the, as fun. Um, State and Maine has always been a fun movie, also. The well, yep. the, the way they make that one. Comedy, I love Tropic Thunder, where they yeah. think they're making <laughs> right. a Vietnam action movie, and they don't realize how real it all is. Correct. Yeah, and that 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 actually Tropic Thunder will bring us back to Bowfinger because that's more or less the idea here. You know, it's, it's, you know, the way you're making a movie, not necessarily where everyone knows what's really going on. Now let's, let's just for the premise, cause obviously we've had groups come before us and they've talked about uh, the movie up to this point. We've got minute 21 that we'll dive into here where our, our hero, Steve Martin, uh, AKA Bowfinger is trying to relay his meeting with this ultra amazing, wonderful action packed, highest paid actor in Hollywood. Uh, and we'll get into that. My question for you, what is your background in any kind of filmmaking, movie making? Have you ever watched like documentaries behind the scenes, ever been on a set? Did you have any kind of like jargon already in the back of your mind to prepare you for this sort of poking fun at Hollywood? Right. Okay. Well, as, as you know, and most people who know me know, I, I have seen thousands upon thousands of movies on my website. I have nearly 10,000 movie reviews on there. I've, I've seen my fair share of movies. There's mm-hmm. no question about that. Personally, I've never been on a, a, a real movie set. I started a, I guess it was a course in filmmaking, probably about 25, 30 years ago, something like that. And I, I didn't last through it. It was, it was too boring for me. You know, it was just just sitting there and, uh, you know, taking pictures of, of people in a hotel or whatever it was. I don't even remember what it was, but it was it, to me, it just it didn't do it for me. So I have seen a lot of movies that deal with 
behind the scenes, some of them documentaries and things like that. And I always find them fascinating and stuff like that, especially you could think of just about any franchise or most big movies. They they have some sort of documentary about the making of, and you see things that go on behind the, behind the scenes and stuff like that. But having been on a set or anything like that, no, never. I almost went to a few filmings. You know, I, I almost went to film Die Hard 2. As, as you know, I'm from Detroit, you know, Michigan. And mm-hmm. I was a junior in high school when they were filming it. And we saw in the newspaper, me and a friend of mine, we saw in the newspaper that they were filming a scene of Die Hard and they were looking for extras in the Upper Peninsula or close to the Upper Peninsula or whatever it was. And we were debating whether to go and it just didn't work out. I mean, because it's a very long drive. So mm. we, we end up not going. And it's it's like the final scene where the plane lands, you know, and the people get out of the plane and the, the old woman, you know, steps on on Thornburg and stuff like that. So <laughs> I it's one of those things that, that I wish I could go tell my, you know, 16 uh, year old self, go back and, and do it. It's something you'll, you'll, you won't regret. You'll, you'll have a, a blast if you do it, or at least it'll be an experience, whether you'll have fun or not is a different story, but you know, we can't do that. The time machines haven't been invented yet. So I'll, I'll have to wait for that one. My background is actually in Hollywood as well as uh, theater. I've done a lot of plays, a lot of film. I uh, have a video production company myself that we do a lot of the corporate style videos, but uh, early on, I was trying a lot before my kids started getting really engaged in sports and I had to pull back. Um, I've been in everything. I was a full-time featured extra on the movie Andersonville, the Civil War prison drama. Ooh, that was I've seen that. Uh, I spent 90 straight days filming on that one. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, filmed scenes for um, uh, Sweet Home Alabama, filmed scenes for for videos or films that came through Cartersville, uh, where I live. We had Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 that was shot here. They Wait, you're in, you're in these movies as an extra, or you just did really? Yeah, like you, you've been able to spot yourself on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Uh, oh, <laughs> not at all. We were the one scene we shot uh, that was in Cartersville. For those who know the movie, when the big blue blobs are blowing up on all the planets, and the one that represents planet Earth, and you see the town slowly near being the Dairy Queen, right? Dated. That's that's our downtown. That's that that's downtown Cartersville where uh, my radio station is. In fact, they renamed the radio station. They put brand new signs on every one of the businesses to match whatever they wanted fictionally in this fictionalized town rather than it being the real real businesses. Um, Marvel came through, and they actually went to every merchant and asked them, what, what are your basic daily receipts on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday? And they just bought out every one of those merchants to close for three days of filming through downtown. Wow. There's wow. an actual disc on the on the ground in the in the park area that is a selfie spot it's a georgia film registered selfie spot when you turn around the mellow mushroom that you can see in the background when the blob is blowing up and all the cars are that's exactly where you know if you film that take a picture it looks like the same angle from where they shot one of the scenes Whoa, that's really cool. But we, but we can't, we can't, I can't watch the movie and find you though. That's what you're saying. No, you can't find me there. Sweet Home Alabama, you might be able to find me if you freeze frame fast enough. This is where I learned about the whole concept of test audiences because I was fit, brought in to be part of the mayor's bodyguards. And so we had the black suit, black tie, earpieces, and we shot an entire sequence of, of scenes with me and two other people 
walking around, checking for bombs, looking for security. Uh, the big band was getting ready to set up. They had these big, giant ice sculptures. They had this huge, massive indoor tent. Everyone was dressed to the nines, and you're like, what are you talking about? That's not in Sweet Home Alabama. I'm like, you're right. Everything we shot, just about, except for the outdoor wedding when the guy comes in and yells, Mrs. Carmichael, you're still married. You got to sign this. Um, they cut it out. They completely redid the ending. The test audience said, why didn't you go back to the bar in Alabama? Why didn't you? You're going to tie it back up. You can't just end here. Yeah. So <laughs> everything I shot for a week, cutting room floor. It, well, it was, you got paid though, right? I still got paid. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's fine. Anyway, for, <laughs> we're taking a long time to set this up only because I wanted everyone to understand when, when I'm seeing things or comment from my perspective, I've been on movie sets, small sets, big sets, been involved in independent films. I've been involved in, in movies that have been straight to Amazon releases. I've been on some that have never been released anywhere because the budget ran out halfway through and they just couldn't finish it. You know, um, I have a I almost feel like I've been in the same kind of rooms with Bowfinger trying to do his his song and dance to convince me that he's got more money, more clout, more capability than he really does. You were never in that position as the producer. You were just one of the people who was listening to someone else BSing their way through it. Right. I was always the actor. Um, Now, with my video production company, I direct everything, but we do, like I said, more corporate. We have done a couple of small films. We've done some short things. If people have budget, I say all the time, if you've got the budget, you can hire me and I'll make sure it gets done, but I don't do things for free. Except for podcasting. <laughs> well, with, with, with me and fine. for Jim. You know, there you go. Well, let's Everyone go else has got to pay. This. Let's go ahead and dive into this minute 21 because we have a, a great scene. This is Steve Martin. We've seen this in so many of his characters, but he does it so well. You get the idea. His wheels are turning, and he is completely battling his inner voice. Do I tell the truth? Or do I tell a fib and hope I can live up to the lie? Because he is recounting having of going to Kit Ramsey's house, and he doesn't want to admit that Kit Ramsey's turned him down. Dude, do you realize about two-thirds of this minute is watching him battle whether or not he's going to admit yes. that he has been turned down? And how he's going to do it. You see throughout this minute, the, the wheels turning in his in his head, trying to weigh both options. Is it, do I tell the truth? And what will happen with that? Do I lie? And what will happen with that? Like, which one is, is the right way to go? You know, you have, you can, you can imagine the, the, the devil and, and the angel on his shoulders saying, Oh, tell them. And Oh, screw them. Don't tell them. You know, I got to ask you when you watch this and, and, and especially seeing it either again or for the first time, depending on your reaction, did you think because of the way his facial expressions moved that he was going to tell the truth until the last second? What did you think? What did you think? Okay, was so happen? so I, I did mention my, my history with this. I've seen this movie maybe three or four times, the most recent time this morning, um, in order to refresh my memory about everything about the movie. When I watched it today, it, it's it's been a few years since I saw it beforehand. In my mind, I, I didn't remember a lot of it. I remembered the general aspect of the movie. But I didn't remember specific things of how it all plays out and stuff like that. So when I was looking and watching this particular scene, I was asking myself, what is he going to do? You know, I didn't remember who knew and who didn't, you know, who he tells and who he doesn't tell, because there are some characters that or there's at least one character that he does end up uh, confiding in. But no one else knows at this stage, at least. 
So I was debating, okay, what is he going to do? And and I just, I loved the way that, that, you know, Frank Oz drags out this, this scene. I mean, you said it's like 45 seconds of this minute. You know, we, we you, you and I, as, as, you know, movies by minute people, we know that, that when you're watching a movie in, in this minute detail, you really can, can see the, 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 the decisions of the director as to, you know, what needs to be shorter and what needs to be longer and, you know, what works and what doesn't work. And the fact that they take about 45 seconds to do this is perfect. You know, it really tells us who uh, Bobby Bowfinger is. Mm -hmm. You know, he's a, a producer or director or actor. We're not even sure right now what he really is. He's He's all of the above, basically. And you know, he's debating, how do I do this? You know, how, how do I sell this great script that I've just finished reading, you know, uh, three weeks ago <laughs> or three weeks ago for people who are listening here, you know, and I, I like the, the way they do it. The Steve Martin is an amazing actor. I've talked so much about him, you know, in my season two, when I did Plane Change and Automobiles, this isn't one of my favorite of his roles. But I still respect him as an actor, and you can see how well he does just in this scene of, mm -hmm. you know, playing the producer, which I'm assuming he's probably known many producers over the course of his career that he's copying somebody. I don't know who. <laughs> Could be so many people. And that's the thing. I think it's maybe even a, an amalgamation of being just in because I guarantee you even the big studios that have the budgets that are going to make the movie, you know, they're always overselling. They're always bigger than life. They're always trying to wow you. You just wonder, does anybody ever tell you just the plain truth in Hollywood? Everything's got to have an edge, a polish, a story. I mean, even in the beginning of this, he has to add a side comment when you he's struggling and he goes, Oh, and he had heard of me, by the way, like like to That's impress right. the people in the room. He knew who I was. That's what he says. Right. <laughs> it's like, why? Why would fit that in? But that to me just is a, a, a glimpse behind the curtain of what I think is just about every single Hollywood production meeting, whether that formal meeting in a casting office, meeting somebody for coffee, meeting somebody somewhere just to kind of chit chat. I feel like everyone's always in salesman mode and it, they can't help it. And even he who's debating whether to tell the truth, he eventually goes into salesman mode as well. And, and at the end of this minute, it's like, he's been dragging it out for their benefit for the, for, but he, he can't say no. He says, and he's going to be in our movie. <laughs> and they start cheering and they're all <laughs> jumping. And, Oh, he, I'm like, he like, oh, he, he like drags himself it? in. You know, it's like he he's he convinces himself here also that this is the right thing to do. You know, and you can see it with his reaction, the way that he does it. You know, they start cheering and then he cheers with them. He's like, once they start cheering, he says to himself, wow, okay, I sold it. And then he can start cheering also. Yeah, I mean, he does the first reaction. Like, he's, he stands up, you know, he's at his desk, and he's leaning forward. When he decides to commit, he, he decides, okay, I'm going to commit. I stand up. Arms to his side. He's pumping like, yes, he's going to be in our movie. And it does the reverse shot because he he jumps up. He does literally start the cheer for me, I, the way I'm looking at it, because it does a reverse angle shot where we actually get a great butt shot of Steve Martin in the screen as the three other uh, people in the room 
are combination of clapping, covering their mouths, are just so excited. Like, oh my god, we're gonna have we're gonna have Kit Ramsey in this movie. That's right. He starts jumping. They start jumping. He comes around the desk, and I love. I this is a total natural reaction from a dog. I guarantee because whenever we do stuff like this in our house, our dog starts barking like, okay, you guys, the humans are making noises. I'll make noises too. But the dog (laughs) comes around. All three go to hug each other on the other side of his desk. And we get just at the end of the minute here. Steve Martin still hopping up and down starts to look like he's turning toward us away from the group and his face well, it just looks like maybe not as cheerful as he started, but we're not quite sure because that's where the minute ends. Right. With them all cheering about this big win for this small international film studio. Both It looks on his face that he's possibly a little scared. He sold himself on this idea, and now he's figuring, okay, how am I actually going to work this out? And I think we'll roll into this tomorrow exactly where that – it's a great lead-in because yeah. – you sense it if you pause at that last second. His face looks like it's not quite as confident as it just was. But we're not quite sure yet. All the wheels spinning in his head. We're going to have to see that tomorrow. Right. I wish there was more to go into in this scene. because of course there, there is. A lot. The whole minute is almost entirely watching him decide whether or not I'm about to commit to one of the biggest lies I have probably ever told. And you get the sense he's told a lot of lies, but I think part of the reason Steve Martin does this so well is I think he doesn't know how would I sell this if I lie and then decides to lie anyway. Right. That's true. But I, I think you're wrong. There is a lot more things that we can find here. And as you know, I I always have what to talk about. Here's how good I am, Rob. I knew for a fact that there were going to be things only movie Rob would discover. And as a good host, I needed to make sure I saved room on this platform for you to bring us your insight. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I like looking around his, his little office there. You know, obviously it's not really an office. It's, it's basically his dining room or, you know, his kitchen or something like that. We're not really sure. I mean, he's in a very, he has a very small house. So it's, it's, uh, you know, so the first thing I noticed, did you, did you see that on his desk? He has like a, a miniature Oscar. There is a little statuette. Uh, I didn't know if that was supposed to be an Oscar or something similar, but definitely looks like some, maybe it could have been an actual award, but obviously not a big studio. Well, it looks very small. It looks like a a miniature, you know, Oscar. Maybe, maybe it's one of the Oscars that that Walt Disney got when the award for, for Snow White and and the Seven Dwarfs, where they gave him seven little Oscar statuettes along with it. (laughs) Who knows? Now, if you look at the, the bulletin board behind him, Okay, so I was I was on uh, minute four, so we we talked a little bit about some of the things that we saw there. So one of the things that that's very interesting is is in that minute, there's also a uh, flyer or poster for him giving acting lessons, and that's missing here. You know, it's no longer here. So th- the question is is what has happened? You know, in I guess the the day since that was there, why did he take it down? Is it because now he's you know, now he's on a mission and he's no longer trying to, to, he doesn't want people to see that he's giving acting lessons. You know, could be, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's all speculation. There's no way of actually knowing why that's missing there. Now, as, as you and I know, and I'm sure most of the people listening know, there are a lot of, you'll go into businesses and you'll see, you know, they'll have some sort of uh, bill 
taped to the wall, you know, like their their first their first dollar, their first ten dollar, their first twenty dollar, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Now, can you tell what denomination the 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 bill is that's behind him taped on the wall? It looked like well, first of all, it looks fake. <laughs> but is that a fifty or a five hundred? I can't read it on my size screen, but I thought is it a First of all, it doesn't look like a real dollar bill. It doesn't look like a real American currency. But is it a 50? I, well, let's put it this way. I, I don't know what it is because it, it looks to me that that's a picture of Andrew Johnson. Okay, so I went and did a search of you know who's on every dollar bill denomination. And mm-hmm. also, at the same time, you know was Andrew Johnson, who was the 17th president, he's the one who took over after Honest Abe got, got shot. So you know, I was wondering if he was ever on any bills. And uh, the only thing I found that that he was actually on the one dollar coin that they issued in 2011. So that's the only place where you can actually find uh, Andrew Johnson. Because I, I looked at the picture and I and and I looked through all the different denominations. Okay, do you know how many different denominations of dollar bills they have had over the years? Let's put it that way. Some of them, a lot of them, are no, not in circulation anymore. But how many? How many can you think of? I would have no idea. I, 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 I well, just go to... through the list of what you know. How, how's that? What, what I know of, like just the dollar bill. No, the, the different denominations, not just. Oh, not just. Oh, there's there was been a one dollar, a two, a five, okay. a ten. There's okay. Do you know who's on any of those? Uh, I, pro, yeah, Washington's on the one. Correct. Uh, Lincoln's on the five. Correct. Who's on the no Who's on the two? On the Sorry. Who's on the two? Oh, it was, it was uh, Thomas Jefferson. Correct. I have no idea off the top of my head who was on the $10 bill or the 20 or the 50. I do know that Benjamin Franklin's on the 100. Okay. Because you got the Benjamins. Mm-hmm. And then I believe there's a $500 bill, a $1,000 bill, a 10000 Wait, is there a 5000 There may be a 5000 and then a 10000 And after that, I don't know. Okay, so – you're right. There's the $1 bill is Washington, $2 bill is Jefferson, the $5 bill is Lincoln, the $10 bill is Alexander Hamilton. Whom we can thank our monetary system for. Thank you very much. Exactly. The 20 is Andrew Jackson. All right. The 50. Oh, Grant. You Grant. I just popped in your head. You listen to this, Grant. That's right. The 100, as you know, Franklin. The $500 bill is William McKinley. They stopped printing it in 1945. Even though it's very funny because I think now people could use a five hundred dollar bill because of inflation. <laughs> you know, I remember I remember the days when you couldn't really use a fifty or a hundred. Nowadays, that's anyone. That's what most people use. You know, you go fill up gas. That's what you're using if you're paying cash. Right. So the five hundred was was McKinley. The one thousand dollar bill was Grover Cleveland, which was also stopped in 1945. The five thousand dollar bill is James Madison. The $10,000 bill is Salmon P. Chase. He was the tre- he was he was the treasury 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 secretary and they stopped printing those in 1945 also, but it, the, people were able to use them up until 1969. And then the the final one that that they actually have is the $100,000 bill which has Woodrow Wilson's on it and the the funny thing is is that it's actually worth more than a hundred thousand dollars now it's more than a hundred it's worth more than a million dollars right now if you have one of those bills 
Wow. Yeah. That's that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. That's right. I think I looking at both the $50 bill, which it popped in my head, Grant, and then I pulled up just now the $500 bill. I I go back to my earlier statement. I think it's a it looks like it's a bigger deno- amount, like a 500, but that's not the same presidential picture. Correct. So it's that, well, that's what I checked. Also, it's it's someone else. It's, it's definitely a fake bill. I think yeah. it's there for people who don't know what a $500 bill maybe is supposed to look like. Maybe. So he's got it on the wall. <laughs> it could be. Again, it could be something that he has there in order to try and impress people. You know, I think so. Because most people will say, oh, he's got a $500 bill. You know, who cares that it's fake or, <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. who knows? Then if you look at some of the, the, the yellow cards on his board behind him. So one of them says action with a... Mm-hmm. With with an exclamation point afterwards. Now, do you know where the term action came came from for making movies? Well, beyond the fact that it, I mean, I can go with my my gut instinct. I don't know the the full etymology, but when you are uh, asking the actors to begin to move or to, to to start saying their lines, you want them to start to act or to do go into motion. You're yelling, so everyone on the set, the director yelling. Now that we know the cameras are rolling, now we know that sound is rolling. Maybe we have a different action. There's usually another one that says background action, depending on the crowd scene, where you may have a director or an AD that wants to make sure everyone is already moving. And then action for the principal acting or wherever principal photography is going to be focused on, they can begin. Okay, so obviously action comes from a three-word phrase that is usually uh, used. Do you know what it is? A three-word phrase? Yes. Lights, camera, action. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, okay. see, we don't do that anymore. <laughs> I, I said where it came from. I didn't tell you what they do now. And the reason they did it back then was because the lights used to heat up really, really hot. So they had to do them in in a very short amount of time. So they would they would say lights, and then so they'd flip on all these these hot lights, and then they would say camera, and they'd start rolling the camera, and then action. The idea was for the performers to start start working because in between scenes, they had to turn off all these lights because it mm-hmm. just got unbearably hot there and stuff like that. Well, and then for today, which we don't have the issue with the lights, there is still uh, you'll hear on almost any modern day movie set where you'll say you'll hear something like rolling. Like the, that's the first command is rolling. Like, are we rolling? Like just rolling. And then you'll hear camera speed, which means my camera's now up to speed, whatever speed we're shooting. You'll hear sound speed. Your sound is recording at the right sound level, and then the actor, the director now knows my camera's rolling, my my sound is rolling. Now I can call action. Exactly. Okay. And one last thing I want to talk about that that we can see in this minute is there is a poster above where Bowfinger is sitting, post its and all that stuff below above this fake dollar denomination, and it says it's 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 from a apparent TV show. And it says weekdays 6 a.m. on Channel 8, <laughs> right? And it says starring Bobby Bowfinger. It says it's Muffy time. And it has a picture of Bowfinger. And his hand is in the motion of like a hand puppet. You know, something like uh, what you would find. Uh, was it Lamb Chop? Is that what that was called? Lamb Chop was one of many yeah, hand puppet, like made for kids TV shows. Correct. Correct. Now, so I, I, for me, it just was really funny, the idea that it was called Muffy time. Okay, so, so I went and looked up what the word Muffy means. Do you have any idea what Muffy is? 
No, I've often heard it as a pet name for somebody with a lot of money. Like, oh, Muffy. Okay, that that we're gonna we'll get there in a second. So first of all, the the word Muffy means a misty, foggy, fuzzy day where the edges are all blurred and vision is not clear. I've never heard that used in a sentence before. Nope. Ooh, today is a muffy day. You know, for nope. sure not. <laughs> never okay. in my fifty plus years of orbiting the sun have I ever heard it used that way. That's right. And I, I'm I'm almost that 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 number, but I'm a little. We'll talk later in the week about what number I'm at. And therefore, so Muffy is also a girl's name. It's a nickname used that was mostly used during the baby boom era. There was even a TV show where there was a little, there was a little girl named Muffy. I'm trying to remember what, was that like Family Affair, Affair or something like that? I think so. It was Family Affair. I can't remember the name of the little girl. Right. I, th- I think maybe it was Muffy. And it's sometimes short for Muffin. So it could be, you know, just a nickname that someone would use instead of calling someone else, uh, you know, my little muffin or something like that. And it is also a nickname for the names either Mary or Margaret, where you can use uh, Muffy instead of. I did check, and I, unfortunately, I was wrong. People have been screaming at, at us for the last minute or so. You know, <laughs> in in the TV show A Family Affair, the girl's name was not Muffy; it was Buffy. 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 Yes, like Vampire yeah. Slayer. Exactly, exactly. So it, this, that little girl, I can remember that little girl with the curls, you know, who, who re- reminds me of, of Cindy Brady. I don't know why. In my mind, at least. Maybe. Who knows? So, yeah, her, her name was, was Buffy, not uh, Muffy. But I, I did find that there is a Muffy in pop culture who you and I actually might be familiar with. Did you ever see the TV show Square Pegs? It came out in the early 80s. It was like a high school thing about it was with Sarah Jessica Parker and a few others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember it. I don't I don't I never saw it, but I remember hearing about it. OK, I remember watching it when when it was on and they had a character named Muffy B. Tepperman. I, I don't remember who Muffy is that I really don't know. But but, you know, at least there is a name there. Who knows? And one one last thing I wanted to say about about the, the, the term Muffy and and hopefully Jim won't get upset at me for for, for bringing this in here. But uh, in slang, the, the term muffy or muff is a uh, vernacular for the female anatomy. Well, I can also say this. There are in, high, in, a, in American football, when someone is dropped back to receive a punt and they drop the punt, which makes it a live ball, that's called muffing the punt. Interesting. Okay. They muff the punt. Interesting. Now, maybe they call it that because of the in, because of the female anatomy and an action that goes with it. He effed up the punt, so they just call it a muffed punt. Mm, okay, <laughs> so, could be. But that, uh, that is a, that is an actual term that, and it is a broadcast term. You hear that, um, and in fact, if a person does it two or three times, like you know, the defense really screwed up with so many muffed punts. You'll hear that. Wow. Okay. So yeah, that that's all I got for this minute. <laughs> okay. I found a few um, things. Yeah, no, I, I knew. See, I, I left the, the, the gory detail because I knew this is that's what you were best at. Um, and I I really do come at this. And, and I'm not trying to say anything, you know, bolstering or anything. But having been on multiple movie sets, behind the scenes of sets, I've, I've served on stunt teams for some for some movies, um, actor more often than not, and then uh, right now being involved as as both director and producer of sh- of shoots. This movie just hits all of the chords of all of my experiences in just my limited touching of quote Hollywood. 
So I, I just love everything about sort of how this is a love letter in some ways, a parody, a kind of a, a satiristic love letter. But it's it's Steve Martin. I mean, he wrote this, so you know he's capturing the flavors and the textures and the and the nuances of what goes on on I think every single studio set. All right, before we uh, start to close out this one, I know you said that's all you had, but anything else, anything on where you think this might be going for tomorrow? Um, well, everyone seems to be happy, so uh, it looks like they're they're going to be partying. I'm looking forward to seeing just how much cheering is going to continue on as we move into this next minute. So come on back tomorrow for another episode of the Bowfinger Minute. I do want to tell you that the Bowfinger Minute podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or you can go to the main site, bowfingerminute.com. If you've got time, why don't you go on up there and like and subscribe, and hey, throw us a review, whichever podcast you're listening on, and then let us know. Uh, you can hit us up on social media at Welcome to Mindhead, the Bowfinger Minute Listener Center on Facebook, and on Twitter, Bowfinger Minute. Before we sign out, Rob, if somebody wants to follow you, they enjoyed your analysis. You said at the beginning the names of the shows. Where can they find you? Yeah, so you can find me on uh, my website, moverobminute.com. I'm also on Twitter, and I'm also on Facebook. So you can find me in any of those places. And for me, you can find The Wilder Ride at The Wilder Ride Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or visit the website, thewilderride.com. All right, folks, and in the meantime... Keep it together. Keep it together. Keep it together. the children I hope that we'll see you again cause there's always one more Show. One more show.